0: If you had to pick one coach, the the iconic true legendary coach of your sport, Patty's Patty's up there guys.
1: Welcome to the Mainline podcast. The whole crew is back. I'm Adam Jacques, Tyler and Corbin. Guys, how are we doing this evening?
2: Doing good. That was uh, not as good as Kerry Murdoch's intro from earlier this week. Right. Uh, so we, yeah, Sticking up Adam's drink a little bit, but besides that, yeah, all as well.
0: Yeah, uh, it's good. Good to be back. Sad that I missed last week's episode with you, but it was good to get away for a little bit. Uh, spent the week in Florida, um, down at Seaside. Probably... Would not go back uh, to that part of Florida until I've got a family. Uh, Very kid-friendly, very kid-oriented, but no, had a lot of good time. Played some golf, hung out on the beach for a few days, ate some really good food. Um, But no, um, glad to be back. Life's good right now. Starting a uh, three-day golf tournament beginning tomorrow and got Vegas here in a couple weeks, so no complaints. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome.
1: Were were you able to catch up and, I guess, keep up with what Trey Young has been doing on the uh, NBA now in the conference finals?
0: Dude, we've talked – it seems like we've talked so much about the star power in this league and how the playoffs right now is kind of lacking the star power. Obviously, you don't have LeBron, KD's out, Kawhi's gone right now with his injury, Russ is out, and various players throughout the league, but, I mean – Guys, this has been one of the most entertaining NBA playoffs that I can remember in quite some time. Even without those guys, I mean, focusing specifically on Trey Young, I mean, being an Oklahoma kid here locally, we grew up, you know, watching him in high school, watching him in his time at the Lloyd Noble Center. But no, he's been absolutely fantastic. Forty-eight points, eleven assists last night. I didn't give him, I didn't give the Hawks a chance whatsoever. I don't think to ultimately, you know, maybe even steal a game in Milwaukee. But that performance last night, I think that we're seeing this kid. You know, we, we knew he was talented coming out of college. You know, is he essentially, can he measure up to Steph 2.0? But what he's done over the course of the last three years, specifically in this postseason play, he's making a name for his own. I mean, he's no longer in anybody's shadows. I mean, it's uh, he, he's he gone from star to superstar, I think, over the last couple of weeks and really excited to uh, watch him, you know, not just the rest of his career, but Guys, the Hawks, three wins away from the NBA Finals. I can't believe the, those words are coming out of my mouth, but uh, really fun seeing what he's doing. And uh, like I said, I've got one question for you guys uh, on on Trey Young, unless you guys have any other thoughts on what he's done so far this postseason.
2: I mean, he's the number one topic in the news right now, right? Uh, which is great for, you know, anybody and everybody that's related to to OU basketball or a fan of any way. um, I agree with you, Tyler. The the comparisons to Steph are always going to be there between Steph and the comparisons to Luka. Those are always going to be the two things that just hold on to Trey for the rest of his career, obviously because, you know, the trade with the Hawks and the Mavs, you know, one of them got Luka, one of them got Trey. At this point, guys, the Hawks won the trade, right? I mean, like, what Trey's doing is good, and that's no knock on Luka at all, but what Trey's doing is on a different level right now. But let's pump the brakes just a tad on, like, he's better than Steph. Like, let's just chill just a little. It's He's had one game in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, granted, it was great. Steph never did that. But, like, let's pump the brakes just a tad on, like, Trey's ceiling is higher than Steph Curry. I'm not sure I'm quite there
0: yet. Okay, I was just about to say, so we're not going to go first take and answer the question, is uh, Trey's ceiling higher than Steph is at this point? I mean, it's a great
2: clickbait article title. No doubt about that whatsoever. But, like, Steph's been doing this for years. Like, let's (laughs) chill this a tad.
0: Well, Adam, I'll start with you on this. And this isn't a uh, clickbait type question whatsoever. But, you know, just being – and, again, I don't know if it's being caught up in the moment, looking at what Trey's done over the last couple weeks. But do you guys think – obviously, we've had some really good basketball players, some individual guys come through Norman over the course of basketball here in Norman. But is Trey headed – towards being the best basketball player to ever come out of Oklahoma? That includes not just being an Oklahoma native, but is he the best player to essentially suit up in the Crimson and Cream, wear that OU uniform? Obviously, we've got Buddy. We've got Blake. You, know, you can go all the way back to the Wayman-Tisdale era, but um, is the trajectory that Trey is on right now, three years into the NBA, is he heading towards the, the title of being the best basketball player to ever come out of Oklahoma? I mean, it
1: kind of depends on how you you look at that question because he was definitely not the best to put on the crimson and cream I think he got to go Wayman Tisdale there Um, maybe even Buddy Heald would be ahead of Trey Young Blake Griffin would be ahead of Trey Young Um, is Trey Young poised to have possibly the most successful NBA career of any sooner yeah I think so and we knew this from even before he picked OU out of high school was that he has a game that translates super well to the NBA and he's you know, achieving some great things right now. I certainly hope that this is not the high water mark of his career. Um, a lot of things you know, went the Hawks way and allowed them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals to this point. And it's a ton of publicity. It's great for OU basketball. Um, I don't know that I trust the Atlanta Hawks organization to get, continue to you know, keep heading in this direction, but uh, I guess I'll just shut up and, and enjoy the run for now
2: while uh, they're still alive in the playoffs. Yeah, you have to think of Skill set and timeline, right? And that this is kind of the perfect merging of what Trey does best and where the NBA game is. Because um, I'm with you, Adam. I, I mean, it's really hard to beat Wayman. And I would even almost put like Stacey King kind of in that similar category. If you put Trey in Stacy King's era, Trey's not doing what Trey's doing. Trey's on the floor all night about 20 or 30 times because it's a completely different game. So based on where the game is headed, I would say yes, Trey's going to be the best Oklahoma Sooner kid out of Oklahoma um, to have the best NBA career ahead of him. But again, that's kind of a perfect merge of like Trey's game and the timeline of where the NBA is. Um, But yeah, I don't think you can put what Blake, Buddy, Wayman, Stacy. I mean, you can go down the list with a lot of guys. Nobody's done this. And so it's hard to kind of put anybody else in that category at the moment.
0: You guys are in the same line of thinking as what I was whenever I thought of this question. I mean, looking at it from strictly an NBA point of view, I think that hands down, Trey has a chance to be the best OU player. I mean, Buddy's doing extremely well. Blake's had a really solid career, was hoping to see him get a ring this year. But no, hands down, Trey's, you know, his trajectory right now. And then looking at it in terms of college, I mean, Wayman Tisdale, Stacey King, Blake, Buddy. I mean, you're talking about Wayman Tisdale being the best player in college basketball during his time. You got two former Naismith Trophy winners in Blake and Buddy, uh, guys that were at OU for three to four years. They've got the love of the fan base. Sure, Trey does, but he was, you know, he was the one and done uh, type player. But no, uh, I think that in terms of college, Trey's probably still four or five in that in that pecking order. But NBA, um, you've got to like the the ceiling for this kid and the trajectory that he's on. Um, it's it's fantastic, and fans like us, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, But no, just kind of one question I had about Trey Young, and we'll see if they can take game two tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, agreed. And uh, another big event that's really top of mind for a lot of Sooner fans was what happened this past weekend on campus for the Champion Barbecue. A lot of different guys coming in uh, to do official and unofficial visits. A ton of uh, really highly rated guys. Um, We did get one recruit already, uh, Gavin Sawchuck, out of uh, your backyard, Corbin. I know you're pretty pumped to – Possibly see him play this fall
2: in high school
0: on the ground.
2: Yeah. I tried to see him last year, uh, but they weren't letting, they weren't even letting family in to go watch the games last year. Um, so I was SOL when it came to that. But yeah, I'm excited to go watch him in the fall. Um, you know, that's not something I typically normally do. And let's be honest, guys, the past, five, six years. I know OU had a, has a deeper root in Colorado historically, but of recently there hasn't really been a whole lot of guys uh, in the great state of Colorado that OU's been after or, or has landed. Uh, so I'm excited to see him. I know there's a couple, I think, offensive linemen in, in the state as well that OU's in on that were also at the barbecue. But, I mean, guys, barbecue as a whole, it sounds like it couldn't have gone any better. And that's – you could make an argument. I'm not even sure it's an argument at this point that of, of a single recruiting event – there probably hasn't been a bigger one in college football history. Um, Just when you look at the talent and the stars and the ranking besides all the guys, besides all the guys that were in Norman, man, I mean, it was – as loaded as they could possibly be, not only for 2022, but it sounds like they've just hit it off with a ton of the 2023 kids. So, um, but you know, we're almost a, a week off from that. And as, as time flies in the society we're in, this is kind of old news, which is crazy to think about. Uh, so, can they keep that momentum and uh, continue to build the groundwork with these recruits? We'll see.
0: Starting with Gavin Sawchuk, I think that we can, for the time being, I think we can put the fire out on all the, the hot takes regarding can DeMarco Murray recruit? I mean, with Gavin Stalchuk, the number two running back in the country. uh, Again, depending on what website that you're looking at, Rivals 247. But OU's got the number two and the number four running back recruits from the 2022 class committed. So, uh, can we get to the finish line? Can we get them signed into this class? I don't know. I feel pretty good about it, considering uh, I think Alabama's already got three running back commits. So, who's to say that they they won't uh, be Alabama and take a fourth just to to piss OU off, OU fans off? Uh, But but no, it, it was a highly successful week and. Again, there's been so much coverage on this over the last week. Um, all the various podcasts, all the other sides are, are talking about it. So really, don't want to dive too much into it other than the fact that I think that this weekend, like you said, Corbin, it's probably the biggest weekend in college football recruiting that has ever taken place. I mean, you look at what Steve Wiltfong, the, the director of recruiting for 247, he said that in all his time recruiting, covering recruiting, he's never seen the amount of talent be on campus in one weekend for one school. So Shout out to to Lincoln Riley and Annie Hanson for obviously had a year to put this thing together with COVID going on last season, weren't able to do it. So um, they truly maxed out their efforts. And the biggest takeaway that I had from it was we always talk about with OU, like there's that brotherhood, there's that culture that Lincoln and them have kind of established. And honestly. Um, a a quote that I took away from it that just kind of, you know, in summation the the entire weekend, it came from Jace Llewellyn, the four-star tight end uh, OU commit class of 2022. I thought he summed it up best saying it was even greater than I expected and it's crazy how they can take all these different recruits, all their families from all different places, all different walks of life and bring everyone in and make it feel like home. And uh, essentially we heard it from so many guys talking about how it felt like it was just a huge family reunion the entire weekend long and um, just hearing some of the guys having everybody back, you know, Kyler, Jalen. You know, you've got the two highest-paid uh, offensive linemen in the in in the NFL right now, both OUDNA, Lane Johnson and Trent Williams. So, seeing all those guys come back, and then kind of a uh, one of the you know one of my favorite parts from it, listening to Teddy and Gabe's podcast from earlier this week. You know, Teddy had a chance to speak on the panel to all those recruits, friends, and families, basically summing it up saying, you know, if if you want to win, if you want to have a chance to compete for a championship. You can ignore all the hype, all the sideshow stuff that you might get from a Texas or a Texas A&M. All the fluff, you know, all you know, the you know, hype not facts that Lincoln talks about. You come to a place like Oklahoma to win, and in terms of the 2022, and even looking ahead to 2023, oh, you knocked it out of the park, and um, it's it's nice to see uh, the the changes in terms of the perception of these you know national f- four and five star guys, what they're looking at in a place like Oklahoma, and it's going to be fun to watch moving forward.
2: Before we shift off topic too much, uh, trivia question regarding running backs, recruiting, and OU history here. So we're going by the Rivals rankings. Um, since 2010, so give us about 10, 12 years working with here. Um, rivals top 100, not only running backs, but all purpose backs, OU assigned six. Can you name those six? A few of them are very obvious. And there's some I think you know may stump you guys. Definitely stump me,
0: Brandon. Since Williams, 2010,
2: that was the one that stumped me. Brandon Williams is one. Joe yep. Mixon, Keith Ford, Joe Mixon, one. Uh, I, Keith Ford is one.
0: I don't think T.J. Pledger got that high. I think he was a 150 guy. What was he a top 100? I had him in the top 100. Okay, so that's right. four. So we're yep. at Brandon Williams, Keith Ford, Joe Mixon, is uh, T.J. Pledger, Rodney Anderson in there. Or no, nope.
2: like 170 ish. Nope, both Brent's of them are not in there. 70s.
0: Um, Brennan Clay wasn't. Yeah, I think Roy- he, was. Oh, he was. He was. Wasn't he was. He's oh, the Cali, Cali trio. trio. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, so that's, one. So that's one. five. Um,
1: is, is Roy Finch. Roy okay. Finch is. The- okay. I couldn't remember if he was like OD. I would have never guessed that. Okay.
2: I would have well, never down got down. that. I thought Brandon Williams was going to be the one that maybe you guys forgot about. And Roy Finch, I didn't think he was a top 100 guy. So well done. Cheers. There we go.
0: That's <laughs> a show. Stars don't matter. Yeah.
2: Well, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Like like you mentioned, Tyler, um, Lincoln
1: just, you know, kicking it out of the park there um, with uh, with what he's doing with recruiting. DeMarco Murray as well. So we have some really excellent uh, coaching and recruiting going on uh, in, the, uh, in the Barry Switzer Center, which is, Incredible. So, looking forward to seeing what we're going to get out of um, you know this this weekend where we had all those guys. And uh, speaking of of coaches that are just incredible legends, we talked about it. We alluded about it a couple of weeks ago after Patty Gasso uh, took home the fifth national championship for OU softball. And Tyler, you mentioned that Patty has a you know as good an argument as anyone for the best coach in OU history. Let, it, let us in. Tell the listeners what you're wearing currently right now on your shirt and make the case here.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I got the Patty Gasso uh, outline of her um, with the, the phrase goat right underneath it. So, uh, yeah, it was w- we talked about it after they won the national championship a couple weeks ago. You know, Like you said, I mean, Patty, I mean, she's she's the goat in, in college softball. And is she the goat um, as far as coaches go within OU athletics? So, yeah. Um, Having a chance to kind of dive dive into some of the different coaches, I mean, we've been so blessed as OU fans looking at some of the head coaches that we've had across all sports, not just football, which is you know bread, bread and butter uh, here in Norman, Oklahoma, but just kind of going back and looking at it, um, guys. How, how how do you want to do this? I mean, do do we want to make our case? Do we want to talk about some of the candidates? Or um, well, let's start with Patty. Um, go ahead and make your case for Patty. Well, I mean, the, the, the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, she's she's been at OU. She got here in 1995, just finished her 26th season at OU. Um, five national championships. I mean, she, she's been in the Women's College World Series more times in her career than she hasn't in 14 appearances. So you pair that up with 13, 13 Big 12 Coach of the Year awards. She's coached arguably the best two-way player in softball in Keelani Ricketts. So he's probably their best pitcher of all time And uh, in, in her role as a lefty behind the plate hitting bombs. She's also coached two of the, the two greatest home run hitters in college softball, Lauren Chamberlain and what's soon to be Jocelyn Allo. Um, and then you also look at legendary pitchers, like we said, Keelani Ricketts, Paige Parker, Paige Lowry. I think you could put G. Juarez maybe into that category as far as some of the greats that she's had in her time at OU. And guys, she's she's number seven in all-time wins in softball, 1,348. Now, Mike, Candrea, I think that's how you say it, Candrea, who just retired yeah. from 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 Arizona earlier this year. Um, he's number one at all times. So I think that Patty can get to his mark over the course of the next five, six, seven years. So that's definitely doable. But, I, I and again, we talk about culture. I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to fall in love with, with Patty and this OU softball program. I mean, I've said it time and time again, OU softball is number one for, or OU football is number one for me. But just following this team as close as we do, I mean, I, I get as nervous and excited watching this team as I do when Lincoln Riley's team kicks off on Saturdays in the fall. And just looking at what she's built, ultimately, OU not having any, you know, any sliver of an uh, of a softball program when she got here in '95, what she's been able to build, winning five national championships. This is the pinnacle of programs when it when it comes to to college softball. So what she's done in her 26 years, if she goes on, wins another. You know, maybe two, three national championships. I'm not sure how much longer she's going to coach. But even if she just adds one or two more, I mean, it, it might be a landslide.
2: Tyler, walk me through who is the greatest coach in OU history. And maybe before that, what criteria are you putting in place to make that decision?
0: I'm not going to base it entirely on championships. And again, I've got, uh, I mean, d- did some research here. There's a, cu- there's a, there's another um, gymnastics coach that that's got more than what Patty's got, but I look at it based off of, uh, and again, a couple different things. That's a good follow-up. I mean, one, you got to take championships into consideration what she's built, not necessarily what was the pro what did she inherit when she took over the program? The fact that she started this thing from the ground up and has built this into the number one softball program in the country, five national championships, I mean, handfuls and handfuls of All-Americans. I mean, she's, uh, and again, I don't know how much deeper you want me to dive into it, but she's the best in the country at what she does in her sport. And the fact that she started when this, this university essentially did not have a softball program, what she's built it up to, that's that that, that goes a long way. Her, her journey in getting the program to what it was, that's probably why I've got her number one right now. I think the only knock
1: that you can make on Patty is just the sport of softball and the way that, you know, it is a little bit easier to get to the world series um, not based on where it's located, just the fact of softball nature of, it's just now getting to a point where there's a lot of different teams that are competing for that um, because UCLA, Arizona, back in the nineties, early two thousands really you know racked up their scores with the high levels of titles and wins. And Patty's, you know, somewhat been a part of that, but, um also recently has really dominated as well. So she's incredible. I I feel like by the time she's finished, she surely will be a pretty easy best coach in OU history. But just the ease of, of softball compared to some of these other sports is is the only knock that can really make
0: that. I, I think that one way that you could possibly ask that, you know, going over to a different sport, like if you were if you were saying for your college football team, if you could pick any head coach in history to, to coach your team moving forward, the answer is going to be Nick Saban, probably, right? So I think therefore moving on towards softball, whether it's collegiate, you know, Olympics, USA softball, if you had to pick one coach, the the iconic, true, legendary coach of your sport, um, Patty's Patty's up there, guys. Yeah,
2: Adam, what about you? What's what's your criteria for best coach in OU history, and who is your top? uh, selection,
1: man, this is tough. Um, because it's, it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges in some ways. Um, you know, Patty's right up there. I think you also have to look at the four OU coaches, uh, really that have gone over, uh, a hundred wins, Bob Stoops, Barry Switzer, Bud Wilkinson, all the way down to even Benny Owens. I mean, people, people forget about Benny Owen. Uh, he coached football, basketball, and baseball. He won 70% of his basketball games as a coach. Uh so um and he was like pioneering the forward pass back in the nineteen twenties. Uh different era, different measurements there. Um I guess for me, um I think I think I'm gonna have to go with Bud Wilkinson. And the reason I'm going with that is just based on I I really credit him with setting the standard of excellence within OU football, winning three national championships, um, you know, the streak of 47 straight games. 14 conference championships at one point, winning 13 straight. Uh, So I think he really just brought uh, relevance and respect to the OU football program. Uh, You know, it used to be a sport that was very much Ivy League dominated, East Coast dominated. um, And he really put us on the map that set us forward on the path, you know, for the opportunity for Barry Switzer and now Lincoln Riley and so forth to actually come in and do things. And this is the type of impact that's had on the university as a whole.
2: Yeah. Hard to argue that one. Um, So I have kind of like four or five criteria that I I, I thought through. I probably thought way too long on this. Um, But my my top category is what they did for the university as a whole. Um, That was kind of the... I won't say the measuring stick for how I was able to separate them. But to me, that was, that's a huge piece is like, what are you doing outside of their sports? That's one, what they did for their sport. Obviously you can't beat what Patty's done um, in that category Uh, competition level to win titles, kind of going back to what you mentioned, Adam, like how hard is it in that sport? You know, like take a Mark Williams, for example, crushing the men's gymnastics sport. But like for a while there, there was zero competition. Nobody was touching OU in any way, shape or form. That's, that's, difficult to put him on that high of a level as some of the others when a national championship is never easy and I'm not trying to downplay that but the competitive nature of the sport in men's gymnastics is very different than even women's gymnastics at the same time um number of titles is big and I think another one guys is when when in history their coaching tenure took place I think that's really important um taking all of those things that can into consideration Barry Switzer is my number one spot um I have patty at three i have bob between the two of those um everything that patty has done has been phenomenal if bob isn't there to make the football program what it is and to bring in the revenue that he did let's be honest guys the softball program is probably non-existent um even if it does exist it's probably without patty Gasso. um so not downplaying patty whatsoever but what bob did in that timeline i think opened the door for OU athletics as a whole to get better across the board, softball being one of those. I put Barry in that same category because, listen, college football has been around for ages now, but you start getting into that 70s and 80s and you think of modern college football, that's kind of when it all started. And if you take out Barry and you take out the national championships in the 70s and obviously two in the 80s, OU football is nothing compared to what they are current day. And so I put a huge emphasis on what Barry did, what he did for the university as a whole, what he did for the athletic department as a whole to put OU back on the map as like a blue blood college football premier program. And we've seen that now for decades after decades. That's continued along the way. Now, you take Bob out of that equation, we're probably in a very different spot as an athletic department and an OU you know, football department. But I think what Barry did in the 80s to set the path for where we are now, to me, that puts him, even though it's very close, to me, that puts him kind of in that top spot, in my opinion.
0: And Adam, I think that goes back to your point where you can make a really good case for Bud Wilkinson laying the foundation. That way, it allowed for coaches like Switzer and Stoops to come after him and kind of continue uh, the, the growth and the success that, that that Oklahoma football has provided over the last you know, century, uh, a, a, as a matter of fact. Corbin, you brought up championships when you asked me about Patty. How much did did you factor in Bob's only winning one national championship compared to Patty's five or Mark Williams nine or 10 or what uh, essentially what was, I think you could, I mean, take, take revenue and dollars outside of it. Obviously, you know softball and football are on two different wavelengths but when you talk about the the impact on the on the sport i mean patty's having a huge impact on the the growth of softball we just you know we've seen the numbers we've learned about that over the course of, the lot of this college world series that, that ended just a couple of weeks ago but how uh, how much did uh, championships go uh, play into your decision when putting bob at number 2
2: yeah, it definitely played a part. Obviously, conference championships, Bob had no issues with, right? Um, to me, why I put Bob in front of Patty, and that was probably the hardest one. I think there's a big gap between those top three for me and everybody else, and that's no shot to to anybody. Um, but the reason I put Bob above is, no, Bob did not start the football program, but you could make a strong argument he, re- he resurrected it twice. We right. were on a terrible, terrible path mid and early 90s, Bob Stoops comes around and completely changes the program, puts it back on the map. And then towards the end of Bob's career, we weren't looking too hot either, to be frank. We were still nationally relevant, um, but we were headed in a wrong direction. If he doesn't step out when he does and hire the right guy when he does in Lincoln Riley, those things matter, in my opinion. They're kind of outside the sport, outside the championships Those are kind of the two things that I think I I lifted Bob just above to resurrect the program like he did in, let's be honest, this is no shock to anybody, like college football runs college athletics. So at that level to do the type of things he does, to me outweighed the championships just a tad. And it, don't tell Nick Saban this, but it is a lot harder, in my opinion, to win a college football national championship than a softball national championship. But I think that's probably as close of a gap as ever now than it, than it ever has been. College softball is getting very competitive. You
1: bring up a really good point with Stoops there and the fact that he brought on Lincoln Riley and then realized this guy has what it takes. Yep. This is an opportunity for me to step aside and do what's best for the program. Um, but even beyond that, you see Bob Stoops had so many opportunities to actually step away from the program. He's not from Oklahoma. He doesn't have connections here. He could have gone to Florida after Spurrier retired could have gone to Notre Dame, could have gone to the Dallas Cowboys or any other NFL team out there. And he chose to stay at OU. And this is actually a pretty common theme because uh, Bud Wilkinson and Barry Switzer both coached in the NFL, but it wasn't, you know, immediately after leaving OU, there was some time in between. So uh, pretty much once a coach comes to OU and even across, you know, all these different sports, once they're successful, they really don't leave. Um, I think maybe the the best case you could make for a coach that left OU for a different job that would have been better would have been like Kelvin Sampson uh, who went to Indiana, or um, I think it was Chuck Fairbanks went to the Patriots. So it's not very common for guys uh, and, and girls to leave, I guess, after coaching us. So um, I think that's something that's, that's really encouraging looking at this and knowing that Lincoln
2: Riley is a hot commodity. That's always thrown out there for jobs. What to walk me through both of your top five, top six, where do you have everybody ranked?
0: My top five. I essentially had the same top three as you, Corbin, just in a different order. I had Patty number one. I had Bear. I had Switzer number two. Bob number three. Uh, number four for me. I I hate to I hate to go football again. I mean, obviously, you can make a, a really really good case for Bud Adam. You just did that, but for me, I I went gymnastics on on both of mine for four and five. I went with Mark Williams number four. Obviously, we we talked about it, Corbin. I mean, this is a guy that got here in two thousand. I mean. OU OU men's gymnastics, the, the the program was essentially established. I mean, they knew what success was. They had three national championships pr- prior to Mark getting here, but you know, once once you know Williams established uh, himself in Norman, I mean they they've won nine national titles in the last 18 years. So pretty, pretty damn dominant in that sport for for Coach Williams. And then number five for me, rounding it out, I'm going to the other side. I'm going women's gymnastics with KJ Kendler. Um, KJ's a three-time national coach of the year. She's a her program. Exactly where I think many people said a few years ago that you know OU would never be able to get to. They'd never be able to compete with the g- gymnastics programs like what we see in the SEC and in the Pac-12. But I mean she's taken OU to the absolute heights of, of the of NCAA gymnastics with you know national championships and I think it was 14, 16, 17. And nineteen and guys, they probably win it in twenty twenty. Maggie's last year, if COVID doesn't step in uh, and derail that. So, uh, I mean, she's she's got ten straight regional titles, over one hundred twenty five All Americans. What she's done, again, building that program up, um, all those national championships. I've got to put her in there as well. So, uh, one softball, two football, and two gymnastics. I gotta go. With, I probably. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was
1: gonna go with Bud one, Barry two, Patty three. Her story is still unwritten, so I think she's going to continue to rise there. Um, Bob Stoops, four, and then Benny Owen with five. Did consider Mark Williams. I mean, pretty impressive. He's been here since two thousand nine Nine championships and nine runner-up finishes, but just the depth of programs that are competing at you know, Men's Gymnastics is not enough to – I'm not saying I don't respect those championships, but is it is easier to get those versus a football when you've got 130 teams out there.
2: You don't have KJ in there at all, Adam. Uh,
1: she's right there, you know, right on the outside. <laughs> don't don't tell her. <laughs>
2: Seems like it. You <laughs> just signed a death wish. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, you guys know my my top three: Barry, Bob, and Patty. Um, I switched the order with you, Tyler. I've got KJ at four. Um, that is again not a knock on Mark Williams whatsoever, but it is a lot harder to win a women's gymnastics national title than it is a men's just by sheer, the amount of programs that have that gymnastics program. There are not very many men's gymnastics programs across the country, women's gymnastics, not on the level of softball, but that is a massively growing sport as well. Um, and so I think, uh, I got, I got KJ at four. What she's done with the program is just absolutely incredible. I've got Mark Williams at five at the end of the day, guys. I mean, that many national championships, like, you just kind of have to tip your hat and put them in there.
0: One other thing I'll say about Mark Williams: You want to talk about success as a coach? I mean, tonight alone, Mark Williams has six current and former um, University of Oklahoma men's gymnasts competing for spots to be on the U.S. Olympic team in Tokyo later this summer. So That's um, incredible! I would, I
2: will give. I don't think he's he may be in like the top ten, but I will give an honorable mention to Billy Tubbs. I was just about um, to say just, that just for the sheer fact. He, he didn't win a national championship. I think he, what, had one or two Final Fours, maybe just one. I don't remember the, the number there. Um, but, guys, what he did for the basketball program, uh, there's probably not a higher – one, I think, respected coach uh, in OU basketball history. But the way he played – the, I mean, you look back, and I know I don't think I, I never went to a game. I don't think I was old enough for, for Billy Tubbs' time. But, like, the LNC mm-hmm. was always packed. They played an exciting brand of basketball. There were some big names that came out of the Tubbs' career. Um, if it doesn't become Billy Tubbs' court, you know, inside the LNC at some point in the next five years, that's going to be an absolute shame, just to be honest. Um, but I think what he did for the program, what he did for um, OU Athletics as a whole in that time, man, it, it's hard to not put him on that list somewhere.
0: Adam, when we were coming up with our top five or six coaches did, and again, this is in all seriousness, uh, did Sherry Cole even cross your mind considering, I mean, maybe not. I mean, obviously she didn't win a national championship, but Corbin, going back to your criteria, talking about the university impact, the impact on its sport as a whole, um, what she did in her tenure, in her time at Oklahoma, I mean, Sherry's got to at least, you know, have a look.
1: I mean, I really didn't consider anyone that hadn't won a championship because that's the whole goal of, of,
0: you know, rolling the ball out on the
1: court or on the field or whatever it is. So um, it, she didn't cross my mind. If she had been a little bit more consistent on the back half of her career, maybe I would have given it some consideration.
2: But really, I think it's all that about championships. Maybe is, that maybe is one of the biggest differences when you compare a Sherry versus like a Bob, right? Both of them early on in the career, neither of those programs was doing well. Like Sherry came in. did she, she didn't start the women's basketball program, but she was like very early on. Correct? Correct.
0: She, I, I think it was very similar to where, I don't know if she rescued it, but yeah. she took it to another, to another level.
2: Correct. If Sherry gets out at a more appropriate time and doesn't have the last, what guys, decade, of just kind of mediocre <laughs> basketball. Yeah, like years. you can absolutely make an argument that she's at least in the top eight um, just by what she did in that, that time. But like what has happened since then, you know, and she's had a great impact on the university and going to be an incredible spokesperson moving forward, but you can't take just half of it, right? I mean, like that's just kind of
0: the way this works. So I think and, she's probably like the top 12, you know, but and I hit. I'm, I hate to say it but I would probably put Lawn ahead of Sherry.
2: I don't know about that.
0: And I worked under Lawn. You guys know that I That is a love stretch. Lonnie. That is too much of a stretch. I mean if you think about it, both have final four appearances. They both has, have, Sherry's got three.
1: multiple final fours, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, and But and they I mean, also kind of I mean, two. They also kind of fall in the same line to where whenever they got to OU, they were the perfect coach at the perfect time to take over both of those programs. So that might've been, I might've been overstepping there, but uh, no, I I just wanted to check with you guys to see if Sherry, what she did, especially in the first half of her time here at OU, I think that it's definitely considered, uh, she should be in that top 10 discussion. She's got
2: three final fours, one runner up in, in 2002. I wouldn't put Lon quite there. Yeah. okay,
1: Yeah. Lon gets a ton of credit for what he's done at Illinois and Florida and UNLV. And he did some great things at OU too, but um, it's hard to just compartmentalize just
2: what he did at OU. So, uh. yeah, if you if you take big picture lawn, yeah, I mean you have got a 100% an argument there of everything he he's done taking what five programs to the NCAA tournament. Um, that's crazy. Uh, and how many to the Final Four? Three or four? I don't remember the exact number. I would have to look that up. But yeah, his his career wise is phenomenal. What he did at OU, there's just such a small sample size there. I, I can't put him quite on uh, on that level. Yeah. Uh, well, let's keep things moving here.
1: Uh, before we jump into our final segment, I do want to remind everyone uh, to take some time, jump on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review if you've made it this far. Uh, surely you're enjoying the content. So uh, give us 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. Uh, so we're going to wrap things up this evening with a little bit... Uh, I don't want necessarily want to call it a trivia because we're not going to keep score. It's uh, <laughs> It's not I going to be... Score. Uh, anything as far as, uh, you know, typical questions that anybody's going to know the answer to. Uh, If anyone's ever played the game Wits and Wagers out there, the basic concept is I'm going to throw out a question and the answer is always going to be a number, whether that's like a percentage or a stat, it's always going to be a number. And the idea is that Corbin and Tyler, neither of you are going to know the answer to these questions at all. So it's just give your random wild guess And then it's a conversation starter for us. So uh, I'm going to throw out one that's really topical, uh, just transitioning here from where we talked about best coaches. So uh, Barry Switzer won 84% of his games. Bud Wilkinson, 83%. Bob Stoops, 80% of his games. What percentage of games has Lincoln Riley won thus far in his tenure?
0: I want to say it's like 73%. I think it's higher than that. Um, I'm going to go...
2: Is this head coaching or head coaching and offensive coordinator? As a head coach.
1: Okay.
0: I'm going to go 84.
1: 84. It is 85%. And I don't think any of us see him slowing down anytime soon.
0: Well, I mean it also helps too in the fact that you're handed over the keys and you've got Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts and and all that in the in the wings, which I mean obviously he's the coach that's had, you know, probably the biggest impact on all on all three of those guys with them being in his position group, but um no, he's he's off to one hell of a start and we'll see if he can keep that up. Yeah. You know one
2: thing to add on that though is of those four coaches, the Big 12 is probably the least competitive in this time period as any of those others I would put the big 12 in a better category under those three coaches than what we have right now under Lincoln Riley which certainly helps
0: it does it does yeah I would be interested to go back and look at look at the numbers from a competition standpoint from when Bob was here I mean obviously there were some years where Texas was arguably better than what Lincoln's had to deal with um, tech. Texas Tech also the the leech era yeah that, that'd be fun to kind of dive into we might may put some stuff like that up on Twitter yeah.
2: I th- Kansas and Missouri there for a while, guys. <laughs> I mean, you talk about the big 12 North Kansas, Kansas state and Missouri. Like they the, were- Charlie, uh, yeah.
0: the Charlie, the Charlie wise era up in Lawrence, big boy football. Yeah. There we go.
1: We, uh, we just talked a lot about Patty. So let's do a softball one here. Uh, this year's softball team averaged a whopping 11.2 runs per game. The next highest uh, team uh, under Patty Gasso was the Lauren Chamberlain led team in 2015. How many runs per game did this team score?
0: 9.5. (laughs) 8.3.
1: It is 8.4. Oh, you're so close. But I just think that was incredible to say. It was nearly a three-run difference of how much better this year's team was. We are keeping score and it is one to one.
0: Well, the just it is one to one. Just like I mean, just look at the difference going into the women's college world series. OU averaging over eleven runs. It was four better than the next highest team in college softball. So uh what we talked about, you know, was was this Patty Gasso squad, you know, worthy of being maybe the greatest ever. I think the numbers kind of speak for itself, so it's definitely worthy of having that conversation to put this group in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one to one One-to-one. One, next up, the uh, 2016 South End Zone renovation uh, of uh, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium came with a $160 million price tag. Uh, in 2003, an upper deck was added to the east side along with 27 suites, 2,200 club seats, uh, came with the Everest Indoor Center, and then new bleachers throughout the entire stadium. How much... Would you value this entire project costing?
0: I feel like Corbin has an unfair advantage during his time in the Sooner Club, being around <laughs> the fundraising people. So I don't gonna, know
2: the answer, but I know it's a lot less.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eighty-five million.
2: I think it was a lot less than that. I want to say it was like forty-three.
1: Tyler two, Corbin one. It was a wow.
2: hundred million dollars.
1: Still, no still a lot less. But you have to consider. I mean, it was a huge addition to the east side, plus the indoor center, plus bleachers. Um, a lot going on there. But it just goes to show that's... how much less it was still compared to just doing the south. That's a
0: lot of money in two thousand three, though.
2: It is that's when oil was
0: good, though. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. Need that to go back. Yeah, so get that softball stadium built.
1: I mean, that just goes to show how hard it's going to be to get softball built, baseball renovated, football. Yeah. Boyd Noble Center needs to be blown up. So uh, Over,
0: over under five and a half years, we have a new West Side and over, press box football. Over, 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 easily. Really? I think so. Depends on what happens in the next five
2: years. I think if they win a national championship, it'll be under. Well, are we talking about when construction starts and when it's going to be completed? If it's, if it's completed, it's over.
0: Yeah, but just, I mean, think about the success that we've had over the last five, six years. I mean, multiple playoff appearances. I mean, other than outside of Alabama and Clemson, this has been the most successful. I guess you can throw Ohio State in there. This has been a top five successful program in the last decade. You really think that a national championship is going to put it over the edge? It's
2: different. It's different. Top four finish is very different than a one finish. Yeah, I I agree.
1: So (laughs) I, I think if we win a championship, it definitely helps, but I'm still thinking over five years
2: to. to get it won't there. be completed, yeah, in the next five years, even if it gets approved. And I think that's if we win a championship or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember, Adam. We, I mean, we saw the blueprints for it, but I can't remember what the date was when those prints were drawn. It was pretty good while ago. I feel like it was toward, I think. I mean, Stoops was definitely still the head coach.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're always just always thinking about stuff like that. I remember seeing softball blueprints for the new stadium and it was labeled 2008. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: from, every, from everything that I've heard, baseball is further along, closer to their goal of their new stadium. And if if baseball gets a new stadium before softball, Katie bar the door on uh, the, uh, the the outburst from the fan base. Yeah, yeah. And title of nine. A title.
1: (laughs) Well, the uh, (laughs) the last time that OU was close to winning a championship was was probably in 2017. We all thought that that team had a real good chance at beating Georgia, but uh, that was in the Rose Bowl was actually the first time that OU and Georgia had faced off. Uh, How many Power Five teams has OU never played? And I think if I did the math correct, I think there are about 64 total Power Five teams.
0: Six.
2: it's a great question. I
0: feel I like was that must be too low. I'm going to go six. Eight for me. This includes bowl games, right? Like,
1: all, all, all games, matchups, yeah, of any kind. I'll go six. Okay. I'll go six. Okay, and eight for Corbin. It is six. <laughs> uh, and the, the teams are Mississippi State, South Carolina, Georgia Tech, Michigan State, Purdue, and Rutgers. So not the greatest list, but the – do any of these teams stand out? Maybe, you'd like, take a road trip, do a, a one-on-one series
2: with, potentially? I'm just mad that I'm losing, so I'm going to make an argument that Rutgers doesn't count. <laughs> well, it doesn't make you closer. I would I,
0: I would love to go to Columbia, go to South Carolina for for an away game. I think that'd be a fun trip.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, for me, Michigan State, just because of family ties and all that, and, I mean, Big Ten football is, is still pretty cool. So
0: that, Is that why, Adam? that's why Family ties. Family ties.
1: <laughs> yeah. My dad went there. That's oh, I didn't team. know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I yeah. I,
0: th- I thought you were talking about somebody else. That's good though. Go Spartans.
1: Yeah, they're uh, they're my Big Ten team. So uh, <laughs> give, give me Michigan State there. <laughs> oh man. Um. Let's see. I I think we got time for a few more here. Um. Uh, I'll go with this one. Sam Bradford, who uh, we all enjoyed seeing this past weekend at the barbecue, he actually holds the record for most passing yards in a season with 4,720 on 483 attempts. In 2000, Josh Heupel carried the Sooners to a national championship running uh, the uh, air raid offense. How many yards did Heupel have on 472
2: attempts?
0: it's it is significantly lower um
2: i think i, I probably it's my turn to go first yeah, um okay. so that way you have you can just pick one yard over or under and you can win um i want to say it was like 2100 yards we'll get real specific twenty one hundred and thirty six yards
0: i'm gonna go a little bit higher than that um Twenty-one thir- not twenty-one thirty-seven. I'm gonna go twenty twenty. <laughs> I'm <so> annoyed. <laughs> I'm gonna go two thousand six hundred and seventy-one.
1: It is three thousand six hundred
0: and
2: six. Yeah. Four four one. <laughs> it didn't count you're like a thousand
0: yards off. <laughs> I would have I would have bet I would have lost a ton of money because I would have there's no way I would have bet that it was over three thousand. Yeah, on four hundred and seventy-two attempts. Yep. Wow. I I think it, it's still pretty
1: impressive. I mean, eleven hundred yards less on about the same number of attempts that Sam Bradford did just makes you appreciate, um, you know, what what he did in that season, uh,
2: which was uh, two thousand eight. So it's um, a pretty, pretty different game at that time too.
0: Yeah. Who was the uh, offensive coordinator?
2: That would have been. Is That Mangino. It was. Yeah, I was going to say it's right Mangino, before yeah. Leach
0: got there. Okay.
2: Yeah. Who, who? Who is? Is it Mangino or who is the other one that went to go coach at? Um, he was at Ohio State for a little bit. I thought who Kevin, was that?
0: Kevin Wilson. Kevin
2: Wilson. Kevin Wilson. Thank you.
0: And remember, someone was there, too, although he wasn't a coordinator, but someone was, was on staff also. I think that might have been a couple of years later, though.
2: Yeah. yeah. We, we have internet. Go ahead, Adam. I'm going to look this up. Yeah. Um,
0: got a little
1: fun one here for you. The Sooners' largest average margin of victory comes not against Baylor, not against Iowa State or Kansas, uh, but uh, the Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, historically, how many points do the Sooners beat the Wildcats by?
0: Wait, it was bigger than the seventy seven to nothing win over A. Just
1: just over time, all matchups combined, average average margin of victory.
0: Oh, okay,
2: okay. Yeah. okay. Uh Man offensive coordinator. Um let's do like twelve point seven.
0: Kansas State OU's margin of victory over the entirety of that series.
2: There's been some ass whoopings against Kansas
0: State. I'm gonna go eighteen point four. It is nineteen points, Tyler. You're killing it. Um, so you, if you bitch about trivia
2: again, <laughs> like, I think
0: Corbin just. I think Corbin just logged off. We're kicking you out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, yeah, get, let's
2: keep going. OU won thirty-two straight from
1: 1937 to 1968. Uh, bonus fact here: the average score of the Red River Rivalry. 18 to 18 who would have thought Ooh. that
0: yeah <laughs> uh, uh, that's a high. that's a high back, scoring 11 a go ahead
2: <laughs> I said shut up with bonus max, get to the next okay. one all right all right <laughs> no i was
0: i was gonna say 18 18 that's a that's a high scoring 11 a.m big 10 affair right there there you go um
1: We'll, we'll try, to, try to throw Tyler off here. The hottest temperature for an OU game was against USC in 1963 at 110 degrees. I'm sure it was an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, how cold was the coldest game on record? And uh, I'll give you bonus points for naming the opponent and the year. We're talking actual temperature. Temperature. We're we talking feel. Actual temperature.
0: Are we talking wind chill factored in as well? I'm getting too technical
2: here. You tell we all lived in Oklahoma. Um, I want to say it was a Bedlam game, that, that ice bowl or whatever they called it way back in the day. But it also could have been outdone by um, Blake Blake's comeback win in Bedlam a few years ago, Blake Bell. Um so, so let's say real feel God now I'm questioning myself. I've been so far off. Let's say the actual temperature was like minus nine and I'm gonna go with the older game against Oklahoma State and I have no idea nineteen seventy eight You're going with minus nine was your answer? okay, yeah, why not? okay I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna stay in the positive. I'm gonna go with eleven degrees eleven degrees. The uh, correct answer is 16
1: degrees, and that is the Bedlam game in 2013, where Blake Bell uh, threw the weight
0: on
2: Jalen Saunders. So, uh, Can take a half point, please. Thank you. <laughs> I, think it, I, I think Bedlam. it's more
0: impressive that yeah. he got the game right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. I didn't, well, I didn't think that was the game. I thought the other one was still colder, but yeah, I get an honorable mention. Okay. Honorable mention
1: and a pat <laughs> on the head. Uh, credit to uh, to SoonerStats.com. This is where I got most of these uh, records from. So, Uh, Big thanks to I think it's Mike Brooks who uh, who runs that site still.
2: um, If I'm not mistaken, yeah. You can't go visit this site. We need a mutual agreement that neither one of us will visit this (laughs) site. There's no cheating future trivia. Yeah, Um, I'll throw in some recruiting ones here. Uh, Lincoln Riley's
1: brought a a recruiting renaissance to Norman, really, since uh, becoming head coach. He's had two classes ranked in the top ten. How many top ten? classes Did Bob Stoops pull in between 2010 and his retirement in 2017? Three, two. The correct answer is two. He ranked, uh, he ranked number seven in both 2010 and 2017. Uh, so I
0: knew, I knew 17. I'm trying to think what what uh, what was the final ranking for the 2010 class? I I would try to think of was who was on that. Seven
1: was the the ranking.
0: Who would have been part of that 2010? Have you got the class up right there?
1: I do not, but I can pull it yeah. up. I was going to
0: say, I, I don't even know if I could name t- one or two players from that class. Yeah. 2010.
2: I think well, that would have been Brennan Clay and Roy Finch, going back to my trivia question.
1: Yeah, and that would have been Kenny Stills as well, I think. so. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting, too. I was a little, actually a little surprised that Lincoln's only gotten two top 10 classes so far. I think one class was really small. And the most recent one uh, had several transfers that kind of you know uh,
0: moves around. If you, but, uh, if you factor in the transfers, I think it's a yeah. top five class this year yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Tony Jefferson was part of that 2010 class. Uh, Trey Millard, Aaron Colvin, Trey Franks tripping on the turf monster again. Um,
2: 2012, they were ranked 11th in rivals. That's tough. Blake Bell, yeah. So there are some there are some decent guys in here.
0: Corey Nelson. I'm a 247 man myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All kidding. All yeah, kidding. Yeah. If, if you're a uh, rival's guy and you're looking at this.
1: Let's see. I'll do I'll do one more and we'll, we'll call it a call it a night. Uh, another recruiting one here. So uh, since 1950, the OU roster has seen 12.7% of its players coming from the Oklahoma City Metro. What percentage of players come from the Dallas-Fort Worth metro. (laughs) (laughs)
0: 66.9.
2: That's way too high. There's no way. Uh, It's got to be... This is where you go, 66.8, Corbin. Yeah, there's no way it's that high. That means there's like 10% from the rest of the country. Um, I'm going to say probably like 38.4.
0: It Hang on, let me write. Let me write this down. That way we can
1: uh, the, <laughs> we can see who's closer in the middle. 10. It is eight percent.
2: On that by a <laughs>
1: It is not nearly as high as I I thought it was going to be uh, actually, and so I was right there with you guys. I would have guessed much higher uh, as well. So, um, extra bonus fact, I guess Tulsa is at seven point seven percent. So. Um, they were also lower than I expected. Smaller smaller metro, but definitely a big high school football area that produces a
2: ton of talent. Next time we do this, we're making a drinking game off of bonus facts. I'm just saying. I time, would.
0: Uh, I hear bonus facts. We have to drink. <laughs> I, that, uh, I would love if we could get that amount of talent out of the uh, town of Tulsa over the last couple of years. Yeah. That would be real nice. Yeah.
1: I, I don't want to go down that road talking about guys we might miss out on, but, um, I lost track of the score halfway through this. I think Tyler had a big enough lead, but Corbin Corbin made a nice little comeback at the end.
2: What's uh what's a, a final tally. It gets like uh, five to three and a half.
0: There you go. That's exact. That's exactly what it is. Too close to call. <laughs> half. Five to three and <laughs> a half. There <laughs> you <laughs> go. Time ball game.
1: We'll, we'll do a recount and, uh, we'll do a thorough investigation here just to make sure. But, uh, uh, I think that's going to be a wrap for us this evening. So, greatly appreciate everyone listening. We'll have some more fun stuff going on next week. Uh, we'll see what the week brings us in as far as sooner news. But again, appreciate everyone listening. Follow us on Twitter at the mainline pod one, and we will see you again next week.